0: Welcome back to the... <laughs> you look like you was caught. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Report Miscellaneous Talks. I'm your host, Glassford Crossfield, and we are changing the world one podcast at a time. And today we have the world-renowned comedian here with us. Please introduce yourself. What's up, y'all? My name's Willie Mac.
1: That's Mac with two Cs. And uh, we out here. E.T. College Hill, H.C.T.V. My Flipping Family, True TV. Out here slaying jokes.
0: Been doing it a long time, bro. Got you. So what what made you want to get into comedy? Um so years ago
1: I did this show that everybody should know. If you don't know what this show is, you should just you should just like play in traffic, but the Bernie Mac show. So I moved out here to California chasing a female. Her name was Keita. I never really wanted didn't know much about the entertainment industry. I was going to school to be a uh I was going to school for international business. And uh, eventually I wanted to go to Western universities and I wanted to study law, but that was way too expensive. So that never ended up happening. And so while you're while you out here, it's California, kind of like New York, it's very expensive. So you try to find little side hustles. So I did background on this show called, uh, yeah, The Bernie Mac Show. And so while I was on there, I used to have this really big afro back in the day. And Kalia Smith, who played his wife, came up to me one of these days, and she was like, where are you from? You you, you look super country. And I was like, oh, I'm from uh, St. Louis. And she's like, yeah, I could tell. And she's like, oh, my assistant's from St. Louis. So me and her assistant were talking. We found out we went to the same high school. And then I ended up meeting Bernie Mac. And Bernie Mac comes out. He's like, who's this melted milk girl y'all talking to? And I'm like, what? And we made an intro. And I was like, whatever it is this dude does, I want to do so still in need of money, still going to school out here in Los Angeles. I saw an ad on Craigslist for this uh, dating show that never aired, but it was just a pilot. And for those that don't know what a pilot is, it's a, it's, a, it's a idea that somebody has. So let's say I have an idea for a TV show. I pitch it to a network. A network likes the idea. They give me a budget to shoot one episode. The one episode is called a pilot. And from that, from this pilot, they will put, they will take it to test markets. They will like try it out to different audiences, blah, 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 and see how it works. And so I did a pilot call for for a show called So You Wanna Date My Sister, the competition show where it was three guys trying to date this chick. So we had to meet meet her brothers and they put challenges together for us. Like one guy was a boxer. So he made us get in the ring with him and box. Another guy, uh, another brother, was like a, a chef. So he made us do some stuff in the kitchen and another brother, blah, 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 blah. So I ended up winning, but it, it was all still for TV. So me being me, I'm just kind of goofy. I'm kind of funny. So they was like, "Well, you're really funny, man. How, how about you get on this show that we're doing? We're producing called College Hill. College Hill, it was on BT, For those that never seen it, it's pretty much the BT version of the real world. Now, if you've never seen real world, you just super young and congratulations. You, Dump, you ain't missing much. So after being on that show and being still this goofy comedic relief on there, I was the one that did most of the radio interviews. So I was the guy that was like, this is W X H Z Chicago. What's up, y'all? I'm Willie Mack. Make sure y'all tune in. And so I was doing all the interviews. And so people started asking me, like, you really funny on the show, man. You should be, you should tell us a joke. Tell us a joke, Willie. But I never had a joke because I really I wasn't a comedian at that time. So I end up doing comedy so I can write a joke for when people ask me, tell them a joke. And so that was how I started in it. And then I kept on going and going. And now here we are
0: 14 years later. Wow. that's You need to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) One day. So what do you think are some of the best ways for people to get into comedy today?
1: Um. Go to your local open mic. Just uh, every most cities have an open mic, whether, whether it's a coffee shop, whether it's an a, a, a actual open mic spot. Like we got offices here that actually just only do open mics there. Mm. And so where you can try out materials, a lot of young comedians there. Go to your local uh, comedy club. Most comedy clubs have open mic night, and you just keep on writing, you keep on just perfecting your craft and all this other stuff. And then eventually, boom, 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 boom. You know, also with some fingers crossed, a little bit of luck, you will end up starting to travel. And eventually you will want to move to a New York. Eventually you want to move to a Los Angeles, or Atlanta, maybe Chicago, but really New York and LA are the two places that are like
2: the big comedy hubs.
0: Mm. Got you, got you. So. What are some of the ways that you try to improve your stand-up?
1: Um, ways I try to improve my stand-up is I
2: try to see different angles. Like sometimes, like let's say we talking about a,
1: a what's your favorite food? I talk about a steak. And now I like my steak medium rare. And this is why I like this steak and this is how I eat this steak. But now you look at my steak and be like, oh, but well, have you ever tried this on your steak? And I'm like, no, actually, i never actually tried that on my steak. And so now I got your ideas. And now I, so you start to befriend people in the comedy community and each person kind of gives you different angles. They give you different perspective. The way that I look at something is different than the way that this white chick might look at something different than this uh this Asian guy might look at it. So we're starting to get different perspectives and different ideas. So I'm very open to just collaborating and just listening to other people. But also, if I'm going and I also watch a lot of stand-up, I watch a lot and I try to see what's working, I see what uh what people are interested in. And so that's kind of how I keep on perfecting it. And so I try to extend it, I try to figure out just different aspects of comedy and what can I do to surprise people? What can I do to make this funnier? It's always in the
2: back of my mind. Mm -hmm.
0: So can you describe how you normally prepare for a set? Whew.
2: I have a set tonight. I kind of know what I want to do. So
1: I I perform, some people are very verbatim. Some people go in and they, they say the joke the same way every single time. I will go in and I go in with bullet points. So I'm like, I know I wanna talk about this, I wanna talk about that, I'm gonna talk about this. Like I might have three things that I wanna talk about. Now in which order, I also don't know. It depends on the crowd. So I'll go in there and I'll look at the audience. Are they laughing? What are they laughing at? Why are they laughing? Sometimes is it a very PC audience? Are they a non PC audience? How, how raw can I get? How safe should I be? So I'm looking at all this while the host is up. Who is somebody that I look like I could talk to in the audience? Okay, this person, this couple over here look fun. They look like they having a good time. Okay, these people haven't laughed at all. So now I got to maybe avoid them or pick on them for not laughing. And so I, I just keep on studying. I'm like, all right, this would be a great place to say this joke because these people responded to that. Or I will just start off like, which I want to talk about. I got a couple topics and I kind of throw it out to the audience. The thing about standup really is about just having fun at the end of the day. Having fun, being authentic and uh, just being consistent and just, and the, don't let the silence bother you. Don't let, mm-hmm. don't, don't get too cocky where you're like, oh, I'm the funniest person in the world, which we all kind of think that once you get, especially once you get to a certain point. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I prepare for the most part. Do you ever still get nervous going on stage? I get, I get nervous every time. I, got st- I, got, I have the worst stage fright. But at first, it used to bother me. But now I just understand that this is me. I'm going to have stage fright, but I'm kind of, I know that I'm funny. So I'll tell my stage fright, like, hey, you can come up on this stage with me, but you can't interrupt my set. Like, <laughs> so it's kind of like that. And then, you know, once you get that first laugh, it's kind of like you, you just you're you're there you're you're in a different headspace you're in a different mode it's like you're 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 in, you're in fight or flight mode i decide to come up here yeah i'm nervous yeah i'm scared yeah i'm i got my my stomach is turning but this is what i choose to do so let's do
0: it wow yeah again you need to write that book so <laughs> who 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 are your top 5 comedians of all time
1: My top five comedians of all time, Um, Richard Pryor,
2: Dave Chappelle, uh, Bill Burr, Mm. uh, who else? Obviously, Bernie Mac, and number five,
1: number five, this is an interesting one. Um,
2: I either want to say Wanda Sykes. Or, um, man, I just saw him perform, Earthquake.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: Earthquake is good, he's funny, he's raw. He, 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 he paints a picture, which is something else a comedian has to do. Instead of saying, I saw this guy at the mall, and keep going into your jokes, say, I saw this guy at the mall, but then describe the guy. He was wearing glasses, he had a flannel shirt, he, uh, he was missing a tooth. And then you can find jokes even in the way that you describe this person. He wore mm-hmm. he wore a vape headband. It's like who's still wearing vape headbands these days? And so now people are still le- now instead of just me talking about you, it's like now people are involved in this. That the picture that has been painted
0: to them. Uh, no, Cat Williams, Kevin Hart, Martin Lawrence, Eddie Murphy. I love all of those, but not I don't know
1: if they' in my top five. though. Like those are probably mm-hmm. my top ten. And, I, mm-hmm. and they, all those comedians are great. But the way that my, the style of my comedy has been molded was based off of those guys that are in my top five.
0: Gotcha. Where would you want to take your career? Or do you have aspirations to be larger?
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely have aspirations to be larger. I want, to, I want my own television series. I want the Willie Mac show to be a thing. I want, uh, I want it to be about my life. I want to be a millennial. I want my life to look like it's the millennial version of Bernie Mac. I want to sell out theaters. I love stand-up. Stand-up is like my happy place. Like even with some of my posts, I will write stage, sweet stage, instead of like home, sweet home, because the stage for me is like my home.
0: That's dope. Oh my, you're a comedian and a poet. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. So, were your parents always supportive of your dreams?
1: Well, supportive they were supportive of me, of the dreams, not right away. I mean, it's, it's hard because a lot of people fail at. It. You don't see it's not, it's not a high success number in it. If, if someone told your kid, like, hey, the path that you're taking, one out of every 100 people that do this succeed. And the other 99 crash, burn, fail, and
2: die. It's like, God, you don't want to tell your kid to go ahead and do it, but you support the kid.
1: And the kids, like the kids, like I'm doing this, and it's like I. Now they might not necessarily see it. They want you to have a plan B. They're like, well, at least get a job, take some time off, and and focus on you and build yourself up, and then get into it. But you know that you can't. There is no plan B. If you have, if you think about a plan B, then you kind of give yourself leniency on your plan A. If you mm-hmm. don't have nothing to fall back on, then you you, 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 you're, you're focused a little bit more because there's nothing back there for you to fall back on. So stand up is my plan A. And that's it. I was sleeping on, I went, I was couch surfing for this. I have a degree. I could make a lot of money doing stuff outside of comedy and not in this industry at all based off my degree and some of my other skill sets. But i rather do this. I'd rather make people laugh. I'd rather sit here and do, do podcasts mm-hmm. and auditions and do that grind because one, that's my journey and that's what makes me happy. And even if I fail at it, at least
2: I know that I did something that was for me.
0: Wow. Inspirational. So what can you explain how you and your child's mother met? <laughs> so that's
1: funny. No one's ever asked me that before.
0: Um, me and my son and mom
1: met at Burger King. I was working at Burger King when I was oh, 16. Oh, 16? Huh? Yeah, I was 16 years old at that time. And I was working at Burger King. I was working there. Maybe, I was like five months in before she started working there. And then uh, one day, maybe like two months in, she's like, "I like you. I'm gonna make you my boyfriend." Now I've never had a girlfriend. The first I've only kissed one chick my entire life, and that was in third grade off of a dare. And so she was like, she was like, she was my first everything. And so that's how we met. We met at Burger. We had a connection, and and that led to (laughs) having a kid. So
0: yeah. How, how, how far into the relationship did you guys have a kid? Like within the first year.
2: First year? Yeah. So like, within, yeah, we was going, it was a prom night,
1: prom night. And uh, yeah, my son was born in February. So I just did the math and I was like, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, 7th. I
2: was
1: like, oh, okay. So after prom, it was like May 25th. And so after doing all that math, I was like, oh, so prom night is when that happened.
0: Did you guys ever consider using protection or that was just you just didn't care at that age?
1: We did. The, uh, we did use protection and uh, kind of bus. So and I didn't know. And so, yeah, Yikes. that's what that, that, that. that was so probably guys out there listening. Make sure you use a rubber that fits. Yeah, you lifestyles ain't, lifestyles ain't for everybody. Oh, it was a lifestyle? I don't remember,
0: but I know it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely makes the joke funnier that you uh, you think of a lifestyle for sure. So how do you how do you guys make your unique parenting situation work? The way we
2: make our unique parenting situation work is by
1: doing the opposite of what our parents did. I'm a preacher's kid. She was a preacher's kid. And so Mm, we were, we were, we were, we were fairly sheltered. And um, now are we too lenient on our kid? Yeah. Like does he get away with a lot of stuff that most kids can never do? Yeah. But we also understand that most kids are going to do something anyways. No matter how guarded they are, they, they, they're they going to sneak out the house. They're going to try, they might try weed. They might end up doing all these things that you can sit there and protect them all these times far from, but if they're going to do it, we'd rather be involved in the process. We'd rather be like the one that they're able to come to and like, oh, here's what happened to me versus holding it in and just kind of like, uh, you know, how, how, like, if, like I get kids on on my tiktok all the time like man i wish i could have talked to my dad about this i wish i could have told my parents about blah 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 and and so we have a very open communication process with uh with my son
0: did how did how do your parents react when they find out the news
1: they was very supportive. I, I was scared they was gonna be pissed off at me. I was prepared to run away. I wrote a I wrote a letter and everything, and I was gonna run away from home because I was scared. But they end up like, listen, this this isn't the kids' fault. Uh, Malcolm's here and they embraced him open arms. Now they I they wasn't necessarily happy that on how he got here and and in the situation because we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so
2: it was a lot of work, it was a lot of responsibility, but my family, my parents really helped out like
1: enormously. So yeah, they was way supportive. They wasn't pissed, like some people will have kids and they're like, well, you had this is your kid now, you go do this. No, they 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 sacrificed as much as I did, if not more, to make
2: this situation work out.
0: Do you, do you find that your son is trying to take after you in comedy or in any sort of way? And how, how comfortable is he with you, you know, putting the personal family business out there as a punchline? <laughs> he's uh, we t- I
1: talk about a lot of the stuff with him up front. Uh, I'm like, hey, Mal, I'm going to do these jokes. They're about you. They're either true or they're not true, but understand that this is what I'm doing because... I understand that in the long run this will pay off the reason that you have your gaming system the reason that you have this and you got this is because of these jokes Is because of these stories and these stories not only are fun to listen to and people laugh and they're entertained by um but some people this actually helps them some people like i'm a young parent and I, I, I don't know what to do. What can I do? And, I, you know, I, sometimes I give advice. Sometimes I just kind of just, they just laugh or whatever. But these are stories that even, that are so unique that uh, there's a story behind it. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a script behind it. There's a TV show behind everything that I'm saying that I'm doing. And so we had that communication. Now, sometimes it will upset him. Or sometimes it does bother him. And we'll talk about it a little bit, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. He but he's very creative himself. He does music. Like my son goes by the uh he has this his artist's name is Saturn with two T's.
0: And so uh yeah, so he's 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 all for it. So do, have you found that he's trying to take after you in the comedic scene? No. He 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 humors me like we do we did like this little podcast thing together.
1: But he's doing it for me. Now, does he really want to do it? Maybe, maybe not. We but I was like, Hey Malcolm, let and I, I always told him, like, let me know if you don't want to do this anymore. Or you feel like ah oh, dad, come on. I'm like, let me know. And uh, I mean, I'm still do it because you don't pay rent here, so this is your rent by me making fun of you. This is this is how. <laughs> So so uh yeah we we we're, we're a team but he's funny my son takes he definitely takes after me with my comedic sense the that the way that I heighten jokes and like if this is true this is true as well and, and he's he's very playful very funny but his focus is music and I support his music I'm like hey do I understand what he's saying in his music not all the time but am I do I listen to it and jam out like it's the like it's the new Drake Wayne and Baby Song with Lil Uzi Vert, yeah. I'm like, oh, no, what? Get out of here, man. That's I was like, lovely. yeah, damn. You know what
2: I was talking about? No.
0: Like, but, <laughs> but we here. Well, what's a joke that you've always wanted to tell, but you're afraid of the backlash? Hmm. A
2: joke I've always wanted to tell but I'm afraid of the backlash. Yeah,
1: I mean, every comedian has that. And it also depends on sensitivity. There's a joke that I used to do that I don't do anymore um, because people didn't like it. It was, I was talking about how I saw an article, this article, that uh, 357 men were sexually assaulted and raped by women in the year 2018, I believe. And I just thought it was so funny. I was like, Three hundred and fifty-seven men didn't have to pay for dinner, didn't have to take a woman, and listen to her day, and just was like, get in this car and give me that
0: penis. It's like, ah. <laughs> that, That's was really funny, and I, I'm pretty sure three hundred fifty-seven is only the ones that were, were reported. I think no, most- it was
1: thousands, it was tens of thousands. Only three hundred fifty-seven dared to call the cops on this situation, and I, the ending of that joke was like. If I was raped right here in front of my building, I'm not calling the cops, I'm calling all my homeboys. Up. I'm like, hey man, I don't know what you're doing right now, but they but they raping outside my building, you should come on down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, wow, they didn't like that? Well, it's not that they didn't like it, people, people was like, hey, it's sensitive. No, rape ain't funny, you know? So uh, now you have to pick and choose which jokes you do, because I do a lot of commercials. So now, if these jokes are too considered too insensitive, now it's taking money out of my pocket. Now, so do I rather really have the creative freedom and just be like this raw, one of those raw comics that like, I don't care what anybody says, I'm telling these jokes. Or do I want to open myself out to a broader audience to take certain jokes out and maybe wait for another year? If, if Even if this fact is 2018, if I'm on stage, I can be like, did you know in the year 2025 that Three hundred and fifty-seven men. Like so, you can change the day. Nobody really looks up your facts while you're on stage. They mm-hmm. just listening to content. So I can save the jokes for later, or I just don't do it at all, or I can sell that joke to somebody else who who is more raunchy. That's like, hey man, look, hey, I'm like, hey, I got this joke that you might like. I will sell it to you three hundred dollars, thousand dollars, whatever, and uh, you can so you can do it that way as well. Do you do you have
0: a fear of being canceled?
1: All the time.
2: Mm.
1: Every comedian fears to be canceled because we work really hard for this. It's a lot of years you don't get paid. It wasn't until last year that I was really getting money. Uh, Well, maybe like three years ago. uh, 2019 was the first time I started getting paid and I've been doing stand-up since 2009. Mm.
2: So, uh, and people are very sensitive. I'm even working on a bit about that. It's like, movies I could let's
1: say this, for example this rape joke somebody hears it hey he's talking about rape insensitive cancel but you have people who write movies who are far darker and far worse and they win Oscars so why is me writing a joke worse than this person who wrote a script both of them just both of them are here for entertainment why am I getting more backlash? Like how Jay-Z, even in New York, got it to where, the, got the law passed where district attorneys and like courts can't use rappers' lyrics against them in court. Because at the end of the, end of the day, this is entertaining. Why is it that, and he kind of came from the same angles, like why is it that any of these other genres, you watch some of these TV shows, and you're like, my goodness, who wrote this? Now that's dark but they don't get backlash because now they are creative. They're they're just writing from this creative process. It's like, why do we not get
0: this same love? And my last question, if you could pick any comedian's career path, who would it be?
2: Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was able to do TV and movies
1: successfully and still had a very successful stand-up career. He didn't really get in any trouble. He didn't really get, uh he probably did. We we just, it just was so long ago and he's gone now that nobody cared. Like I at one point I would have said Bill Cosby. He before, like, if you take the, if you take the 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 rape and the, the sexual assault stuff that he did out, he had a fantastic career. He was one of the first black people to have a he did sitcom on. Yeah. The Cosby Show. He's worked. He was. He was before all of this. He was worth eight hundred million dollars. He was about to buy CBS. So, uh, yeah, and and he and he and he he had everything going for him. So if, at one point it would have been Bill, but now I'm going like a Richard Pryor or
0: Kevin, but mainly Richard Pryor. I wonder though if social media was as prevalent when Richard Pryor was at his peak, how things might have been differently. Uh,
1: if, if social media was back in the 60s and 70s, there would be no, everybody would be canceled. Like, no. even when you listen, do you listen to Bernie Mac's jokes at all? Do you know what Bernie Max said where he was talking about milk and cookies? So if, you, if y'all never heard Bernie Max, he had a very funny joke where he was talking about how uh, he has, he take care of his nieces. The, the Bernie Mac show was based off of this joke about milk and cookies. And he was calling the son that, all type of f words and like,
0: yeah. He was like, I, I know that joke. Was was milk and cookies a metaphor for something else? <laughs> nah, it wasn't a metaphor okay. for something. Okay. But it was
1: just the way that he was just dogging his gay nephew and just like you f it and like what you mean? You, you don't get your f upstairs? And I was like, my goodness, if he said that stuff now, the whole community of
0: whatever would be like turned yeah, for up. Sure. For sure, you know Larry David, right? Yeah. Yeah, his show Curved the Enthusiasm. He dropped the N word several times on that show, but it was at a time where social media wasn't as prevalent, so he doesn't get the backlash really.
1: Yeah, I was even looking at old Law and Order episodes, and they and like Ice Cube was calling. He was like, "They were like, what's wrong with the victim? I don't know." From his mom, I think they, I think he was retarded, and I was like, "God, you can." Get over straight calling this dude a a retard on TV. (laughs) And it was like they they went at it. Like nowadays they can't say half this stuff. But at one point, they had they could say whatever they wanted to. There's a there's a SNL sketch with uh, Richard Pryor, and I think it was Chevy Chase, SNL, Saturday Night Live. And Chevy Chase called Richard Pryor a, a, a nigga on TV on like on prime on prime time it was it was written in for, for them to call him that
0: and so it's, the thing is though knowing prior he probably approved it oh yeah the, he, he definitely was, approved it yeah yeah interesting wow but absolutely even if he did even today if Richard Pryor gave the okay people would still haven't be outraged about it that'll be because because all it takes
1: is to offend one person kind of the way, like we have paper straws. You know why we have paper straws? For the environment. Because that one turtle, you heard about that turtle that had that plastic straw up his nose?
0: I think I did hear something along those lines.
1: One turtle that they saw had a plastic straw up their nose, and they was like, look at this turtle, and had this plastic straw, and they know, like, we need to
0: start doing da-da-da-da-da. All
1: because of that one, like, all these other tortoise
0: turtles was like, turtles live for a million years. I got to have my life be inconvenienced for this one turtle. You going to live forever? Yeah. Not fair. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's kind of
1: kind of what it is, man.
0: I appreciate you daily for taking the time out to speak to me. I I hope to see you or oh, I can't talk about it, right? About the other oh, Yeah, uh yeah, we'll yeah, you can talk about it. I don't care. I hope to see you in that Kevin Hart movie, and uh, I hope this clip, I'll clip this when you're in it, and it'll go viral, that I supported you before you got (laughs) that, uh, that big movie production that you've always wanted, so I appreciate you, thank you. Hey, thank you, have a good one, boss.